Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God blesses you through doing so. All right, welcome today. It's so good to have each and every one of you here worshiping with us. The 40 Days of Love. How many have enjoyed the 40 Days of Love so far? It's been awesome. And um, I was thinking just the other day, aren't you so glad this is not the 40 days of fighting or the 40 days of lying or the 40 days of gossiping and stuff like that? But this is the 40 days of love and uh, we should be excited about that. And so we're looking forward to see how God is going to move in today's service and throughout our lives. You know what we're doing today is we're looking at how God loves us. And what that means concerning the way that we love each other. It's, it's really, if you want to just break it down, is the words that we use to love other people. What are we saying with our words? Now, I know Pastor Larry is not here today, a.k.a. the love doctor. If you want to get specific, as he's been sharing. So I've had to fill in as another doctor coming in, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. But uh, he is out this weekend. Of course, he will be back next week. But thank you for coming and being a part. Today, we're going to be talking about what relates to every one of us when it comes to expressing love in our relationships and our everyday lives. Here's a question for you. I want you to answer real quick. How do you love with your words? How do you love when it comes to your communication? Well, this morning, what I want to do is give you some really practical helps and tips to help you love in a more effective way in the relationships that God has given you. Because every one of us in this room is in some type of relationship, whether it's a mother, father, son or daughter, husband, wife, whatever it may be, these and this sermon affects every one of us in this room today. So I'd like for you to turn to James chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 2 this morning, and we're going to read that. If you could stand with me as we read the Word of God. James chapter 3, we're going to be starting out in verse 2. It says this, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone has never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. And likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and in itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You see, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. And out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Lord, we're so thankful for your word today. And Lord, I know that that word that we just read probably hits home to a lot of people this morning. I know that your word has the ability, Lord, to quicken our hearts and our spirit, Lord, to even point out areas in our life that we need to maybe fix. But Lord, I know that we need to bring our lives, our tongue in alignment with what your word says today. So I pray, Lord, as this word is brought forth, that you would allow us to digest it and to live it in such a way that it transforms our lives, but not only our lives, Lord, our words, that they would be more loving and more effective. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated and as you're seated, you can follow along in your outline today. And I want to give you just a few quick helps in the book of James. I love the book of James because it is a practical book. You can read through the book of James in about 20 or 25 minutes. And you know what the book of James does? It helps us with our words that we say. It kind of gives us a clue as to the danger of our words. And I love how James begins to describe that. But let me give you some very quick helps with this outline this morning. It says this, my mouth directs where I go. Verse 4. You see, our tongue has great influence because of the direction it sets. The tongue is a small part of the body, but can exert great influence on the direction of our lives. In October 18th of 1977, many of you may remember this, but the Dwight D. Eisenhower ship was launched. It was close to 100,000 tons. It would go 30 knots. It held 6,100 people. It was powered by a nuclear reactor and had 280,000 horsepower. And at the time, it exceeded a cost of $2 billion. But the amazing part about this is that this ship is turned by one man at the helm controlling a rudder that is one one-thousandth the size of the ship. In other words, a tiny rudder controls the whole course of this great ship. Now think about this. Life-changing events turn on the smallest of our words of man. Whole courses of a man's direction is changed. Why? Because of just one small word that they say. What is it? I have a dream. And it changed the direction and the course of our history, did it not? And you can go throughout scripture and find many situations and you can find many examples of just a few words spoken that change the direction of man's life or a woman's life. Here's another fact that you'll learn from James chapter 3. My mouth can destroy what I have. It was October 8, 1871, around 8.30 in the morning and Miss O'Leary was milking her cow in the barn. And there was oil in, in, her, in her lamp. And there was a flickering flame. And all of a sudden, she was milking this cow. And this cow kicked over the oil lamp. And all of a sudden, it began to cause a spark. And I know some of you are thinking, that is probably utterly impossible. But not not necessarily. You may catch that about 2 o'clock this afternoon. But all of a sudden, one little spark of hay is on fire. And then it drifts over to another. And all of a sudden, the whole stable is consumed in fire. And before you know it, it is burning not only that stable, but the stable beside it. 
And all of a sudden, the next building and the next building until there was destruction one mile wide and three miles long. It destroyed what we would call Chicago. Why? Because of one tiny little spark. Now, just think about the devastating damage that has been done by the fire of our words. Our our rumors, our tail-bearing, our, our sharp-cutting words that we say to people, then all of a sudden we realize what we've just said. It's those cutting remarks that really take people to their knees and they begin to think, why did they say that to me? And maybe even more devastating than that, it's a, a father maybe speaking into a son or daughter's life that is cutting them off with his words, saying things like, you know what, you will never amount to anything in life. And people carry that the rest of their life and they find themselves in a place where they feel lost. Nobody cares. Why? Because of just a few words one man said in their life years ago. Think about the marriages destroyed because of words. Children disturbed. Friendships damaged. Reputations ruined. Wars fought. Bodies maimed. And relationships and promotions what denied in life. And honestly, the list could go on and on and on. But the point is well made. The tongue could be a a little spark, a little fire that sets ablaze and consumes a whole forest of people and relationships in life. I know that a lot of people get to a place in their life where they, they look back. And all of a sudden behind them, they see a smoldering smoke just of once that was a beautiful green field is now weighed lace because of the words that they have said that they can't take back. Relationships are torn. People are hurt because of words. You know what? My mouth displays who I really am in life. I love verse 9 because it says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord And Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Here's the problem with our mouths. Good water and poisonous water come out of the same spring. One minute, you're saying the most beautiful thing to someone, and then the next minute, you're saying the most ugly thing to somebody. You ever been caught in that? Three of us are being honest this morning. Come on. I mean, we say that. And then we realize we've said the wrong thing. The point is simple. You control the tongue and you control all other parts of your body. It's controlled. You can hold your tongue, you can control your tongue, but you can't tame your tongue. In the end, what's in your heart is going to leak out into your words. It's not really a tongue issue, a word issue, as much as it is a heart issue. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the word says this morning. So quit trying to tame your tongue. It's not going to work. Ask God to start working on your heart. That's the source. Now, I love this. There's two lessons that Jesus taught. And this isn't in your outline, but you can write the scriptures down. He was talking to the Pharisees one day and just a group of people in Matthew 12, 34. And he says these words, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. That's what Jesus said, right? That's what he begins to communicate. So whatever's in my heart's going to spill out in my words. You know what? If I want to see your heart today, all I have to do is listen to your words. 
If you want to see your kid's heart, guess what? Just listen to the words. If you want to see other people's heart, what do you do? You listen to their words, see what they're saying. Because sometimes it just begins to what? Spill out. Now, here's another lesson that Jesus teaches. And he calls a crowd to him in Mark chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. You may just want to write it on your outline. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So how do you stop the cycle of those words that aren't loving words, but they're discouraging words? They're words that may be put down. You ask Jesus to help you change your heart so you can change your words. That's what you do. So I want to give you this morning just some real practical guidelines, three practical guidelines that's going to help you in in loving people with your words and watching what you say with your words. Number one, here's the first one. Love people with honest words. You know what? Jesus is the most honest being I have ever met. How about you? So when we talk about learning how to communicate, we talk about hearing from the expert. I'm not the expert. And you know what? I bet maybe you're not the expert. But I know this, that Jesus is the expert. So when it comes to Jesus and how he communicated, it's amazing. He, he had an honesty about him. It, it was a clear honesty about him. It, it was a kind of honesty that changed everybody. When he spoke, people, people listened, right? Most of the time. Let, let's, let, let's look in on a few scriptures of how he was speaking and talking and, and see what we can get out of it. In Mark chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus replied, and I love this, You bunch of hypocrites. Now, wouldn't you like to go back to that time and just kind of see how he said that? Like, did he say it real nice? Well, you bunch of hypocrites. Or was he just like stirred up and said, you bunch of hypocrites. I can't believe what you're doing. How did he say it? What meaning did he have behind it? Another time he said, uh, he was talking to Peter and said, Satan, get behind me. Jesus also said in Luke 9, 41, oh, you stubborn, faithless people. How long should I put up with you? You know what? That might work on your kids. Oh, you stubborn, faithless kids. How long should I put up with you? And if they say something to you, just say, well, Jesus said it. Not really, right? Wrong context. Wrong context. You see, Jesus didn't speak out of anger, but love. The motivation was not irritation, but honesty in people's life. So we have to keep in mind a few verses when it comes to Confronting people, maybe with honesty or just being honest with people. Ephesians 4.15 is, is, one, is a good one. It says this. And he admonishes me to speak the truth in love. Right? Speak it in love. On one hand, truth without love is painful. On the other hand, love without truth, you lose the impact of the truth in the sugar coating. Right? But you have to be truthful. Proverbs 27 5 says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Man, we don't like that, do we? You ever been rebuked? It's not fun. But the Bible says it's better than hidden love any day of the week. 1 Corinthians 13 6, the love chapter in the Bible. Love does not delight in evil, but what? It rejoices with the truth. Why? Because being truthful is the most important thing that we can do when what? Using honest words in life. 
You see, it's a lot easier to be nice than to be honest, right? But the question is, do I want to impress others or do I want to impact others? And I would go, what, for the impact? You know what, do you have any idea how many words that you use a day? Any idea? Researchers have found out that you use a lot of words, but I wanted to kind of compare it. I don't know if, uh, not that I'm a Tom Clancy fan, but there may be a few of you who are Tom Clancy, techno thrillers. He he wrote The Hunt for Red October, um, Clear and Present Danger. Did you know that his works are very thick books? They're between 500 and 700 pages thick. Huge books. I mean, you could use it as a doorstop. You could use it to throw at somebody after the 40 days of love, okay? I mean, they're big pieces of work. There are a half million to three quarters of a million words in an average Tom Clancy novel. So here's the question. How long would it take you to say as many words as he writes in one of his books? Well, according to the researchers, each person here will use in a day between fifteen and 18,000 words. Can you believe that? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real easy here. This could be a little gender specific because some of you use more words than others. <clears throat> Am I communicating with you this morning? I'm just going to leave it right there. This fluctuates just a little. So, if you're saying 15 to 18,000 words a day, that would translate into about 54 pages. That means that in one year, an average person would fill 66 books of 800 pages a year. Every year, you write with your words 66 volumes that are larger than those Tom Clancy novels. Just with your words. You see how this sermon affects everybody in this room? You say you may not talk a lot, but you're saying something, I bet. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37. I love this. This is Jesus speaking. No wonder he said these words in Matthew 12, 37. By your words, you will be condemned. And by your words, you will be justified. Why? Because he knew how many words you were going to say. He knew that we were going to talk a lot, right? He knows those things. The words coming out, whether they're honest, whatever they are, we've got to watch that we have honest words in life. Amen? Number two, love people with careful words. We, we all know the impact of a wrong word or words. Do we not? I mean, have you ever been in the situation where you said something you, you should not have said? And it's like, why did I say that? And you tell yourself, man, that was the dumbest thing that you could have ever said at that moment in life. You see, sometimes our communication achieves exactly what we have intended, and sometimes it achieves what we don't really intend. And that is called miscommunication. Did you know that American advertisers are finding out how easy it is to miscommunicate? Even after spending millions of dollars, millions of dollars to sell their products in other countries, giant companies still say the wrong thing in life. Take Coca-Cola, for instance. Anybody have a Coke? Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> you got a Pepsi? <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Why did you have these? Anyway. <laughs> that guy's <is> thirsty. 
Coca-Cola. I don't know if you're a Coca-Cola fan, but get this. Coca-Cola is a hard word to translate into Chinese. I've never tried it. I'm just taking their word for it. Chinese is a very tonal language, so it's, it's very important that you get exactly the characters right in order to translate something into another word. Because when Coke first came out, they put Coca-Cola up, but what it meant was this. Bite the wax tadpole. <laughs> so you can imagine someone going to buy, so why, would, bite the, why do I want to drink like this? Then another translation meant this, a female horse stuffed with wax. And finally, they got it right when it said, happiness in the mouth. Now, that's a good one, right? I mean, Coca-Cola is going to change your life. Pepsi had the same problem. Here's what they said. They tried to, uh, you know, have these slogans or always come up with these slogans. And it says, come alive with Pepsi generation. You know what in Chinese it meant? Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. And that, that may be a little problematic. I'll give you these Pepsis back. Here you go. Don't drop that. Okay, <laughs> just checking. All right. So it's important what? That the words that we speak are important. Now listen to this. Seeing how significant the use of words can be to billion-dollar industries which sell nothing more than flavored sugared water, how much more careful should we be in trying to speak the right words to the people we love and to the people that we see every day. We've got to be careful with, with the words that we are sharing. Now, I want to, I want to be transparent with you. And I, want to, I want to share with you probably my most shameful moment in all of life. Up to this point. Up to this point was the key. I remember being in seventh grade. And I don't, do you remember being in seventh grade? Some of you. I mean, seventh grade was one of those years where you tried to fit in with everybody. You wanted to be liked. I mean, all those things that you wanted to be special in people's eyes. And so I, I, I landed in that crowd where I, I wanted to be what? And everybody wants to be, so they want to be the popular kid. They want to be noticed and all those things. You're in sports and all that. And I remember that there was this kid. His name was Danny Dill. And I was always giving nicknames to people. And so I thought, well, I'm going to call Danny Dill. I thought... I'm going to call him Danny Dillpickle. I thought that would be kind of funny. But it wasn't. And I remember going into seventh grade, because we were going into our lockers, and you'd have one specific classroom that you would go to. And I remember walking into class, and I said, I said, hey, Dillpickle, what's going on? And I was following him, and he was steamed. And he turned around, and he punched me right in the eye. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I fell back. Teacher saw it, and guess what? Then you have to go and meet the principal. And then it's like, well, Mr. They call you Mr. Butler. Mr. Butler, I'm in seventh grade. Well, Mr. Butler, we're going to have to send you to the boiler room. I don't know about your school, but you did not want to go to the boiler room at my school because you were getting licks. I don't know. That's when you could spank kids. I don't know if you knew that. Kids got spanking years ago. How many was uh, on the receiving end of one of those in school? All right. Write the names down real quick. Look. Okay, we just want to know. But I went and got licks. But you know what? As I grew older, I didn't realize the impact of the words 
of cutting someone down with a word until that day. Words are sharp. You remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never harm you? Is one of the greatest lies you will ever hear in life. Because words will break you, hurt you, put you in a place where you feel trapped, condemned, isolated in life. And God wants to help pull you out of that. I remember time 10 years ago, I was trying to, um, I, I wear contacts and I thought, well, I'm going to get some glasses. So I went and had the appointment uh, and they made me some special glasses. And they said, come back and pick these up. We want to make sure they fit. I said, okay, that's, that's good. And I, I remember, here's the first mistake I made. I remember inviting my friend Justin to come along with me. Justin was the most honest person that you've ever been around. He's going to tell you how it is, no matter what. He didn't hide anything. And that was my first mistake. So I said, hey, come on, I've got to get my glasses. Let's go. So we hopped in and we get over there and they fit me and I come out and there's Justin and he begins to laugh. And he says, man, your eyes are huge. I took them off. I put them on one more time to show Rachel and I never put them on again. Now, let me tell you why. Listen to this. It goes to show you how powerful words can be. A careless word can shape or misshape someone's reality for years to come. And you know what? You may be even sitting here this morning being shaped by that reality in life because of what someone said years ago has begun to shape you. And you're not too happy with what you are at this moment. You see, we must understand that there is a very dangerous door that has caused a lot of destruction on our world. The door has no lock. God, in his wisdom, he began to decide, you know, when I create a human, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create the the head to have seven openings, two ears, two eyes, two nostrils, and one mouth. Everything on top here is duplicate except one. Guess what that is? Your mouth. That single opening has caused us more trouble than the other six put together. Why do they call it a door? Think about this. And I go from scripture. Listen to Psalms 141.3. It's not in your outline. Just write it down. Because this says it all. It says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 13, 3 says, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. But those who speak rashly will come to ruin. In Proverbs 13, 3. Now I know this. There's two areas that we need to be real careful in. And one of those areas is this. Is that anger. Anger. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Did you know that the word translated anger actually refers to a deep-seated rage? It doesn't refer to a passing moment of displeasure, which is soon gone and forgotten. James is speaking of that deep emotion, which is like a volcano that is beginning to erupt inside of your life. I mean, many of us, we probably have experienced this emotion. How many of you have ever been in uh, an argument, a fight with your spouse? 
right in the middle of the house. The dog is barking. The kids are crying. And you're just, you're red in the face. You're boiling. Smoke's coming out of your ears. One of those fights, right? And all of a sudden, the phone rings. Hello? Why, we're doing great today. How are you? Oh, we'd love to come over tonight. Yes. Okay, bye. And then you go right back. I told you. And you go right back into the fight. Some of you may have had that this morning. I don't know. But get this. Your anger is an emotion that you control. That's proof. You control it. When Rachel and I were first married, and I got permission, okay, so just relax. (laughs) When we were first married, man, we fought like cats and dogs with our words. We We would yell at each other. We would scream at each other. Our first year in youth ministry, and we were just going at each other. And you know what would happen? We fought because... She had strengths, and she had weaknesses, and I would gripe about the weaknesses in her life. I had strengths, and I had weaknesses, and she would gripe about the weaknesses in my life. Or maybe even the the strengths, but we argued. We were so independent, living this life together, independent. And it was almost like we were two couples just kind of living together with no purpose because we spent most of the time fighting in life. And I kid you not, with her as my witness, we would fight sometimes and not speak to each other for three to five days. Is that true? But then, the Lord began to show us some things in our life. And you know what he showed us? He showed us this. If you don't act like a team and one flesh, you will never make it. You both have strengths and you both have weaknesses and you better work as a team. When she, and she, where she's strong at, let her, let, her, let her lead in those strengths. Let her teach you. Where I'm strong at, we're going to follow. But over time, guess what? We began to see that we were a team. And those two or three day fights went to two or three hours. Right? Begin to minimize. Now it's just two or three minutes. Sometimes a little longer, right? But that is the power of understanding what's going on. You know what? We're not perfect today. We still have arguments. But we begin to realize what? We've got to change some things in our life because of the words that we speak. You see, there's a divine time limit on your anger. Solve your problems before you go to bed. You see, what starts as anger overnight becomes a grudge. That anger and grudge sinks in slowly and turns to what? Resentment. And that resentment begins to harden and turns to concrete. Here's what happened. Now, each little grudge becomes another brick in the wall that separates you from your spouse, your daughter, your son, and your loved ones, or maybe once your friend. If you don't get it under control. As long as you carry anger, you can't communicate effectively. Another area you need to be careful in gossip. Proverbs 16, 28. A gossip separates close friends. Have you ever said to the Lord, I mean, we'd say, Lord, take my heart. Take all those things. Lord, 
My tongue now belongs to you. What I say, what I'm going to express, it belongs to you, Lord. Help me. It almost goes back to Romans chapter 6 when it says, Offer parts of your body to him. And you know what it says? Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Your tongue can be an instrument of righteousness to him. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is abundant. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Now, think before you speak. I'm always telling my kids, think before you speak. I'm always telling myself, think before you speak, right? How do you do that? Here's a quick acronym that you can use. Think, T. Is it truthful? Before you say anything, is it truthful? H, is it helpful? Is it going to tear somebody down? Is it going to harm somebody or is it helpful? I, inspirational. What I'm telling them, is it going to be inspirational in life? Is it truthful? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? And and in is it necessary? If it's not necessary, don't say it. And K, is it kind? Is it kind? And if it doesn't fall within those parameters, guess what? You probably shouldn't say it. It's probably not going to be the loving thing to say. Love people with careful words. I love Matthew 12, 36. It says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every what? Careless word they have spoken. It's not what I said. That's what Jesus said. Number three, love people with building words. The bottom line is this. We need to get our words in order and make sure that they're lining up according to God's word. Amen? And allow him to help us. You see, are my words building? Did you know that words can build up or they can tear down? Words can build a marriage or they can tear down a marriage. Words can build that relationship with your kids or they can tear down that relationship with your kids. But words are building or they they can tear down. Proverbs 18.21, one of my favorite scriptures says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it, will eat its fruit. You see, this week, I need to choose. I need to choose words that are going to be helpful for life. And I want to share with you those words. If this is going to make a difference in in our lives this week, it's going to come as I choose to speak in certain ways in the relationships that God has given me. It all comes down to the words that I use, what is in my heart. And I have real quick, real, really quick, Three ways that's going to help you do that, to choose specific words. And I want, well, here's what I want you to do. It's kind of a homework assignment. Choose one of these things to improve in this week. Maybe it's going to be two of these things to improve in this week. But make sure that the Lord speaks to you about what you need to choose and choose to speak life this week. This week, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use kind words. And what does that really mean? The Bible says that kind words have the power to transform worry into joy. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You see, when a, a lot of time when people are worried and they're anxious, we tend to kind of push them through that time. We, what do we say to them? Oh, come on, get over it. Everybody goes through that. That's not really kind. But we have to use kind words. They're, they're, they're also powerful. These words that we use when we're encouraging and sharing the gospel with someone, God's love with someone. William Barclay said this, more people have been brought into the church by the kindness of a Christian love than by all the theological arguments in the world. Just by being kind. We need to apply that. 
Another one way is gentle words. They have the power to break through anger. Just being gentle. I love Proverbs 15, 1, when it says, A gentle anger, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, what, stirs up anger. Just a gentle answer. answer. Harsh words are so easy in life. I mean, if someone says to you, I'm not giving you 40 minutes during this 40 days of love thing. A harsh word would be, you know what? 40 minutes trying to love you is like 40 years trying to love anybody else. That's not gentle. That's not something that you would really need to say, right? But gentle words take courage. It takes incredible strength to say gentle words. In fact, the word gentle literally means power under control. Did you know that? That's what gentleness is. When someone says something to you this week and, and your chest begins to just to puff out, your, your blood begins to boil, allow Jesus just to whisper into your spirit. Use gentle words. Use gentle words. Last thing is wise words. Wise words about God's word heal broken hearts. Did you know that? Wise words spoken at the right time can heal a heart. You see, that's the power in words. We know what it means to invest money, right? And get a return on money. But you know what we have not figured out? Is that we can invest kind words, gentle words, and wise words and get an incredible return in life. Think about this. I mean, if you were to this week, you'd really get on board with this. Every time you said a wise word or a a, a kind word, wise word, or gentle word, that someone put $100 in your bank account. Wow. Man, we'd be saying, oh, you look so good today. Look at you. I mean, we would say that to, oh, I love you. So we'd be, everyone would be, bless your heart, you're a sweetie, and all those things. You'd just be pocketing that stuff all day long, right? But get this. Anytime you said a negative word or a word that was harsh or not honest, untruthful, $100 is pulled out. My question would be this. And you're loving people with words bank account. Would you have a positive cash flow or would you be like nothing's in there? If you look back over the last week of your life. That kind of hurts, doesn't it? What would it look like? What we need to do is check the one that really applies to our life right now. As I close, I want to share with you this story that speaks to the power of words. It was in 1989, an American earthquake, or an Armenian earthquake, flattened a nation and killed 30,000 people. And there was this one father that knew that his son was in an elementary school, and as soon as the earthquake took place, he began to run to the elementary school. And when he arrived at that school, he saw the whole building had been leveled. And he looked at this just mass of stones, this mass of rubble, and just looked at it. People were standing around, they were crying. And all of a sudden, driven by a promise that he made to his child, that one day he told his child, no matter what happens, I'll always be there for you. No matter what happens. And driven by this promise, he found the area closest to where his room was. And he began to pull back the boulders and the rubble. 
And when he began to pull back those, that rubble and those stones, parents began to arrive and they began to say to him, you know what, it's too late. They're gone. There's nothing that you can do. And all of a sudden, a police officer shows up and says, man, you really need to pull back. You really just need to give up. There's no hope and there's no use. But the the father refused. And for eight hours, he took his hands and began to pull back boulders. And after the eight hours was complete, he went another eight hours. And after 16 hours, he began to pull the boulders back. He went on for 16, 32, 36 hours he dug until his hands were raw and he had no energy. But he refused to quit. And finally, after 38 wrenching hours, he pulled back a boulder and heard his son's voice. And his son said, Dad, I knew you would come for me. Because you told me, no matter what happens, I'll always be there for you. The power of loving words. In life. You know, the author of Hebrews in chapter 13 offers some words of wisdom. And it's almost like he's sharing with them. And I love what he says. He begins to share this this information with them. And you know what? It's for us today. And he begins to say, you know what you need to do? You need to keep on loving each other as brothers. Don't forget to entertain strangers. Remember those in prison. Remember the mistreated. Honor marriage and the marriage bed. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. And then the author of Hebrews goes into and he says, oh yeah. And remember this. God said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. You know what in essence he was saying? I will always be there for you. That's the promise that he Our Heavenly Father says to you today, I'll always be there for you. What powerful words that we have today. Would you bow your head this morning? As you bow your head before the Lord today, it's my prayer that something from this message, something of a scripture, a story or whatever it may be, Begin to speak into your life, into your spirit, and you begin to say, you know what, I identify with that. And you may be here today and you say, you know what, I have been hurt. I have been wounded by words in my life. And I need God's help today. I just need prayer. I need the Lord to help me in, in what I'm going through today. And you may be the recipient and you've been living for years with those hurt and difficult things going on. And you know what, today you can be set free from that. You can come and ask the Lord to help you. And you can leave that at the altar and he can help you find what? A brand new life in him. You may be here today and you can say this, you know what, I don't know the Lord as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what, some of the greatest words that you will ever hear in life is this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your heavenly father is there for you every day, 24-7. He will never leave you in life. What a great promise. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.